Hey there, everybody. Welcome to the How to Lead podcast, helping you develop yourself and those around you. My name's Adam Tarno, and I'm here with Clay. Uh, Clay, we've been flying a lot lately. Uh, we were both talking before we hit record today. The fall is busy time for us in the uh, leadership development space. Yes, What's I like it. So yeah, it is. Totally. It is. So it's fun to go around and talk about What do about you say these... to people when what they say, mean? oh, so you're flying a lot these days? Do you like flying? Yeah. I don't mind it. Go, yeah. Uh, here's what I always say, because I always feel a little bit like uh, <laughs> I can I can misread the question and go, I, and what I'll I'll negatively interpret it as, oh, so you leave your family often? I do and, the same thing. Yes, that's what I, yeah. and I don't know, man. There's some, like, oh, it's actually not that much, you know. That's right. <laughs> so that's right. I'm always like, oh, well, it's just like one or two, one, one night trips. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's exactly that's what I do. I do. That's so, exactly what I do. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and I, of course, I never tell them that I enjoy the one night trips, you know, that, uh, <laughs> that I miss the bed night or the bedtime routine and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But listen, you've got a crazy story. I, I don't think we named the airline, but at, at a time. I don't we, mind naming it. It wasn't, right. I thought the airline did a nice job. It was Delta. I, I pretty much fly only Delta. I live in Atlanta. And so I'm, I am committed to what's Delta your, what's sure. your status? What's your status on Delta? <laughs> I hate that question too, but that is, that's, it's like, I feel like that, that's one of those conversations you put it in the category of trying to tell somebody about your fantasy football team. You know, it's like, I couldn't care less about <laughs> right. this conversation, but I'm not, I'm not the highest for sure. I, I think I, it seems to me like you got to spend, you know, multiple flights a week to get to the highest. Are, are you a flying mostly American out of Dallas? No, I'm, I'm starting to, uh, mainly I've, I've flown Southwest. And so uh, yeah. I have literally achieved every status you can right. over yeah. there. Yeah. And, um, and now I'm trying to build up some points with, uh, with American to make things a little bit easier over there. But, um, yeah, anyway, so okay, tell me about what happened. Cause there yeah. was a time where so, you felt, you felt, yeah, trapped. yeah, we're, we're going to talk about these mind traps that your mind has the, this is wild to think about that your mind really does have the potential to trap you. And so I started thinking about times when I felt trapped. I typically don't feel trapped often. I mean, yeah. some people can't go to large crowds, yep. movie theaters, sit in the middle of the aisle, let somebody else drive somewhere because of the feeling of being trapped. I don't necessarily feel that way, but I was on a flight recently. I was out in, uh, I was out in the Bay area, uh, actually, uh, at a, at a conference that Facebook was hosting and it was, that was just okay. But we were flying back. I decided to do the red eye to try to get with the family more, all that stuff, which is such a commitment. That red eye from the West coast to the East coast. I mean, it is, it is a, it's a beat down. So, uh, you know, midnight we're taking off. I fall asleep and I feel the plane as I, it like wakes me up. I feel the plane, um, descending. And I was like, well, that is the best overnight experience I've ever had. I felt like I was asleep for like 30 minutes, but that felt like, you know, but it was five hours, I guess we're landing. And I hear all this rustling going on in the background. Mm. And about 10 rows behind me, this man had his pants down and was uh -oh. trying to urinate in the aisle of this on the flight. I mean, I was like, Oh no, this shouldn't be happening. No, that is Meanwhile, not. Meanwhile, <laughs> at the same time, there's people like trying to hold him back. His girlfriend or wife or whoever is yelling at him being like, quit, what are you doing? I can't believe it. Whatever. He was obviously belligerently drunk. There were grown men trying to hold him down. And at about this time, the, one of the flight attendants says, hey, well, obviously we have a bit of an issue in the back of the plane and we're having to make an emergency landing in Salt Lake City. 
And oh, so I was wow. like, oh, no wonder why it felt like 30 minutes because it was, it was. 30 minutes, right? <laughs> right. Oh, so then it was miserable from there. They end up apprehending this young man. They pull him off the flight. He's yelling the whole way. His pants are still not all the way up. I was like, someone should help him. Let's yes. cover him up first. You know, yes. in, in the charismatic church world, they call that the modesty cloth. You know, let's, <laughs> let's cover this person up. <laughs> and then the worst part was then we we get inside they, they we have to deplane and at this point now the flight crew has used up all that they, they've reached oh, the limit of their time whatever yep. restrictions yep. and so yep. now we got to wait and it's you know it's 1 a.m at this mm. point and we got to wait until 7 a.m for another flight crew to come in from salt lake city it, it was it was awful yeah. terrible situation but okay the guy um i i there i have found the article there there's there is a news article out of out of salt lake city of man, you know, man attempts to urinate on a Delta flight. I think that's the headline. And there's this picture right there. So if you're, if anyone's curious to see it, you can go find it. That's good. That's good. They did not bury the lead with that headline. That was, that was the story. That was the story with all that. That's good. Well, listen, so that feeling of trap never is good. And and I I like what you said earlier that our mind can do that. So we, we all know what it's like to feel physically trapped in a, in a location at times or, uh, to feel like you're stuck, but to think that we can do that with our mind uh, is is fascinating. And so we're going to talk about three of those here today about the victim trap, the pass fail trap, the negativity trap. Uh, but this also, I mean, there's another one that leaders can struggle with, and that is just feeling like I have to do it all trap, mm-hmm. or I don't have yeah, time to true. do anything yeah. trap. No and one so, can help me, right? That's right. And so it's it's good just to remind people about our friends over at Belay and some of the things that they've got going on uh, over there right now. And so talk about that, if you will. Yeah, well, they, Belay is a company that does a number of different things, but what they primarily do is they provide virtual assistance. They provide accounting professionals, uh, EAs, executive, executive assistants, uh, social media managers. And if you are wondering, hey, I don't, you know, I don't have the budget to be able to hire someone full time. Give it a try. Try a virtual assistant. Try one that's part time. Try one that's full time. Mm-hmm. They've got all kinds of different options. But they are a remarkable organization that I feel like is ahead of the curve in regard to virtual workplace, understanding how to help people when you don't live in the same proximity or work in the same office complex with them. And yeah. so they've got a. Um, they actually have a guide. If you want to just get started, they they're offering this free download that I think is uh, really really helpful. It's called the Ultimate Guide to Working with a Virtual Assistant. The Ultimate yeah. Guide to Working with a Virtual Assistant. And you can download it for free. All you have to do is text the word LEAD, L-E-A-D, like how to, LEAD. Text that to 55123, 55123. Text the word LEAD to 55123 for your free copy of the ultimate guide to working with a virtual assistant. That's good. Yeah. Cause that certainly is a trap and, uh, and it's good for us to talk about that one and these other ones as well. And so, uh, maybe that trap of feeling like you've got to do it all or I have nobody to help me is another flavor of this first trap that we're going to talk about here today, which is just this trap of feeling like we are victims uh, so unpack that, talk about like, how do we know if that's a trap that we're struggling with? And then let's ultimately talk about some solutions. Well, the, the key to the victim mind or the, or the way to spot the victim mindset. And I don't, I don't need to explain all of the victim mindset to you all because you get it. You're smart people. But the idea is just that, uh, everything is someone else's fault that mm-hmm. I, when I find myself blaming everyone else for what happens in my world, 
that's usually a symptom of the victim mindset. And so pay attention to that. Blame really is a remarkable way of smuggling our problems into the future, right? Because I never have to deal with anything. It's one of the things that I like about being a victim is that it's somebody else's fault. You know, you hear it when the, the, uh, the administrator or teacher at school calls the parent, you know, Hey, little Johnny, your son has gotten in a fight. And most parents are like, well, it must've been someone else because yeah. my precious little Johnny would never do anything wrong. In fact, where were you? Why were you not supervising him? Right. That's right. Uh, or, or at work, it's, you didn't get the promotion that you felt like you deserved. And it's, and you start thinking, Oh, this boss has always been out to get me. She hmm. never has liked me. She's never thought I was talented. She makes me you know, I, I probably threaten her because I'm more talented than she is even. And you feel like you're the victim and it's all the boss's fault. Uh, whenever you get passed over, whenever somebody else gets an opportunity for something or whenever they the organization says no, and it's like, oh, here they go again. They're never willing to spend money. Any of those outrageous comments where I'm at a disadvantage because of my circumstances, people are out to get me, others have an easier life and it's just hard for me. That's always a sign of the victim mindset and the, the victim mindset, we just have to be aware it, it, it will trap you. Right. Yeah. Um, why, why is that? Why would you say it traps us? Well, I mean, it, it, the first thing that comes to mind is if it's somebody else's fault, then I don't have to take responsibility. And so I don't have to be creative and come up with a solution. I don't have to feel the burden of how to solve this. I don't have to lead right now. I don't have to take initiative right now. And so I just get to sit I'm here. I'm off the hook. Yeah. yeah I'm off yeah. the hook. I don't have to take responsibility. It's somebody That's else's right. fault. That's right. And so um, and so it's good for us to note that. And I, I really find that interesting. Like if we find ourselves blaming more than we find ourselves taking responsibility, that may be a clue that we're trapped. And again, that is such a right word because we just may think, but yeah, you don't know my circumstances and all these things. These things are against me. And just go, I, I bet that I, I'm sure you have some things that are 100% out of your control that uh, that really are holding you back. But I bet you have more control than you think you do on certain situations. And a lot of times what I'll see some people that are really struggling with this is they will never even consider that there is an option to initiate a conversation with someone. Right. There's such fear on even initiating the conversation because now that's going to take vulnerability. I'm going to have to say I'm disappointed with this. I'm frustrated by this. I'm hurt by this. I'm whatever it is. That's what they don't want to do. And so it's easier just to sit there and just keep talking about they and them than it is to uh, to take yeah, responsibility right. with this. Yeah. So the, the way to fix it is ultimately is you got to identify it. You got to be aware of the false benefits. There are some false benefits. It's a little bit like sugar, Adam. You know, when you eat candy, you kind of like it at first, but then in yeah. the long run, it's obviously not the most healthy thing in the world. There are some kind of sugar-like false benefits of the victim mindset. You feel entertaining, right? You have a story mm. to tell. Listen to listen to what happened the other day, right? You, you feel, uh, people feel sorry for you because oh, you've wow. got the yeah. story to tell, right? And uh, it's a way, ultimately, people with the victim mindset, they've learned how they can manipulate other people with their victim mindset. And so that's the thing we got to watch out for. Some people are like, yeah, but I've been doing it for so long and it's actually how I get things done. And I would just say, well, you got to identify it and you got to get rid of it. You got to replace it, right? With ultimately mm-hmm. that, it's the ownership. It's the it's the extreme ownership. It's being willing to, to lead myself, to not make it anybody else's problem. Go look in the mirror and go, well, what can I do about this? How can I handle this? How, what's my part in this? Yeah. It really is that extreme uh, that extreme ownership mindset of 
it, there, there's always something that I can do. Nothing's yep. ever some, all someone else's fault. There's always yep. a part that I have to. Play. That's right. And the question that helps me avoid the victim mindset, because man, I have been so trapped by this for long stretches in my life and in my career is a, a question that you hear me talk about a lot. Just by my friend, Dr. Randy Marshall, just teaching me to ask myself, what do I control? in this situation. Oh, and you know, two things surprised me about when I asked that question. Number one, I never control what I want to, but I mm-hmm. always control. Number two, I always control a whole lot more than I originally thought. And so when I, when I find myself either in my journal or talking to somebody writing, and there's literally nothing I can do about this, I'm like, ah, hold on. Is that true? Is that true? Because that's such an easy card to play right now to go, it there's is. literally yeah. nothing I can do and just go, hold on. And there's, there's always something. It's never what I want but there's always something and that, that's that just good. helps me stay focused on what I can control in this. Okay. So that, that's really good. That's a trap makes a lot of sense. And you gave some good practical ways that we can identify that and get out of that. Talk about the pass fail one. And why, why is that a trap for us? Yeah, this is the tendency to think in terms of polar opposites without mm. accepting the possibilities that lie between these extremes. And there are always possibilities that lie between the extremes, right? It's either I am successful or I'm worthless. That's right. I'm smart or I'm stupid. I'm a wonderful employee or I must be a terrible employee. And since I'm clearly not this, I must be that, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 really really dangerous because they become well, first of all, it's not acknowledging reality. Hmm. There's never a reality that you are fully successful or you are worthless. These these ways that we label ourselves they're, they're, um, they're not destinations, right? It's imagine going to the doctor and the doctor saying, Oh my goodness, Adam, congratulations. We've been looking for this person. We found him. It is you. You are him. <laughs> yes. You are the, you are healthy, right? There is no destination of healthy. It's all about trend. Right. And so when we, when we fail to acknowledge the reality that I'm not as great as I think I am, and I'm not as bad as I think I am, I've never really arrived we're failing to acknowledge the reality of the journey, the reality mm. of the process that is so um, it's so true and it is embedded. It is a part of all of our growth. Right. And so when we miss out on that and just label ourselves, either pass or fail, successful, uh, an absolute disaster, yeah. we're just missing that. Yeah. Yeah. And that here's, I think the biggest trap with that. And you and I spoke about this on one of the episodes we did where we talked about Kobe Bryant's views on failure, where he Uh, was being interviewed and asked, you know, if you wouldn't have won any of the championships, would you, you have viewed your career as a failure? And he, he differentiated between failure and disappointment because one of them's an emotion. The other's an identity disappointments an emotion. And we're going to feel all kinds of emotions about whatever it is. So your career journey, uh, where you are in the organization, your financial situation, the health of your relationships. We can feel emotions about those. What we need to be careful of as we're on our journey is then assigning an identity, putting, a, as you said, a destination on that. So it's okay to feel disappointed about progress, but it doesn't mean you're a failure. That, that's an identity. Uh, it's okay to be encouraged by your progress, but that doesn't mean you've arrived and you're a stud and you're the goat, right? And so it is all about... Uh, staying focused on the here and now and reframing these. And so some of these, what what has been really helpful for me is learning some of these different ways to look at it and and just being able to differentiate between the emotions yeah, and identity. Them. Yeah, just just not put these put these identity statements on myself based on the way I'm feeling about progress right now. 
But I, I, I love the, um, the image of a laboratory. We've talked about this before yeah. on other podcasts, but the thing that is most helpful for me, and I see it, it, you know, when you're a parent, you start seeing it with your kids, right? Because everything's like, oh, tragically awful or the most amazing thing ever. The, the seeing life as a laboratory, not seeing life as a pass fail grade, right? We, 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 you, you might have taken a class pass fail. I don't think I ever did, but I certainly had some tests that were pass fail. I guess all the accounting certification you got, those are pass fail, right? I mean, uh, either- in some way, yeah. I mean, there were numbers, but yeah, the number was like you either pass. It didn't. Nobody cared what your number was as long as you passed. So yes, essentially pass fail. When we think about life that way, it's just a real danger because it's it's that's not the way life is. Life is much m- more closely associated with a laboratory, which in a laboratory. You're all about what can I learn? You're all about how can I get better? You're, all, you know, okay, well, that test didn't work. That test, we would say that one, I, I felt some disappointment there. Okay, well, then how's that going to shape me? How's that going to help me for the next one? Because yeah. I'm in a laboratory, I'm growing, I'm developing, I'm just getting better. And so it really is, it helps me on how to deal with failure, but it also helps me to not get too, um, uh, intoxicated with any success that I have right. as well, That's because right. it's all, it's all part of the process, which is what the laboratory is all about. That is so good. And listen, it's so funny. Cause that is stuff that with my freshman in high school right now, playing on the golf team, uh, he and I, those are some things that he's learning mentally about the game of golf is that I need to be a little bit more, no pun intended in the middle of the fairway here and not on the extremes. So when I have a good round, I need to not freak freak out and think I'm him, right? And so I've arrived. And when I have a bad round, I need to not just wallow in self-pity and go, I'm never going to find it. Again, I love what you're saying there. This is about learning and this is about a laboratory. And so it's a just just stay in the middle with that. That's going to help us avoid that trap. Because the, the pass-fail trap, I guess the real danger here is not so much the pass and becoming arrogant. It's more the fail and becoming yeah, yeah, despondent, and depressed, that's and right. giving up. And so that yeah. that's why that can really, really trap us with that. So I like that victim, pass, fail. And then this is one where I've learned a ton from you on this one, Clay, and I, I really mean that. And so the negativity trap. And so, um, you know, I, I always, uh, when I go and I talk about, you know, David and I, we had a chapter in our book on optimism. And when I go around and I teach on that, I always tell people that was one of the hardest chapters for me to write because if optimism and pessimism are on a scale, optimism's a 10, pessimism's a, a one, I wake up every day at about a four. Like that's just my normal, that's just the way I, I present and the way I show up. I love to blame it on being an accountant and being professionally skeptical that they trained me to do that. But <laughs> I think it's, uh, it's not just professional training. I think it is just kind of how I'm wired. So I can fall victim to this mind trap very, very easily. And so say, say some more about this on why negativity is one that we really need to watch out for. Well, our world runs on, you know, if, 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 uh, if the morning runs on Duncan, our, our world really does <laughs> run. Isn't that their line? It is. Uh, America runs on Duncan. Yeah. Our, our world really does run on negativity. The news cycle, uh, the, the fear, you know, the, if, if you were to poll people, they've done the study. What do people care more about making better decisions or living with less regret, right? Mm-hmm. What, what motivates people more, the joy of potentially succeeding or the fear of being a failure. And all the studies show all that people are more motivated by the fear of being a failure. So That's right. there is just something about negativity that is the great motivator and it's the way our world runs. And so we just have to be aware of that, that it is embedded into our society. It's embedded into our, our culture. And so it, it's no wonder that we get sucked into it. I would say 
but we, we all know though that the, the power of positivity the greatest yeah. thing you bring your team is your spirit is the energy that you bring this can do anything's possible uh wh- what else could we accomplish how are we going to get this done not know but let me find other ways you know i always think about in the middle of a football season right now we're not in the middle but we're toward the beginning but in the nfl season uh, there are teams that haven't had the start that they wanted. That's and if right. they've got people walking into the locker room every day going, oh, we're terrible, we stink, we're, we have no chance of winning, they have no chance of winning. That's right. But they need the leaders on the team are the ones that are walking and going, it's been a tough start, but we got the people in here to make it happen and we're going to rally and we can do it. We've been this close and we're going to get over the hump, whatever it may be. Yep. Those are the leaders, right? Those are the ones that we listen to. Those are the ones that make the biggest difference in the world. It's that Winston Churchill quote that success in life is the ability to bounce from failure to failure without loss of enthusiasm. Yep. The leaders know how to do it. The leaders yep. know how to bounce from failure to failure, from problem to problem, from challenge to challenge. So it's not about how do we avoid obstacles or how do we avoid situations that might make me feel pessimistic or negative it's how do i rebound how do i bounce back in those moments where i'm tempted to let negativity win and negativity really will trap you yeah Uh, it's certainly a trap yeah and negativity like to to fall victim to that is just choosing to only look at one thing and to make a prediction on the future right you are making a prediction about the future when you choose to only look at the negativity so let's go back to churchill uh, because he said one of the most profound quotes i've ever heard on on optimism and pessimism that the optimist sees uh, a a problem right they see something that's bad and they also see the opportunity in the midst of that problem where the pessimist sees the the negativity or the thing that could go wrong in the midst of the opportunity. And so it truly is like if you're looking at a situation and just go, uh, work us hard and we're all going to die and it's just going to be like this forever. Uh, uh, what you are doing is you are just going, I think I know how the future is going to pan out and it's all going to suck, right? <laughs> where, where, and this is, I think this is key. This is the difference between, uh, here's the phrase I like using now is realistic optimism. Realistic yeah. optimism. Yeah. Look at reality. Call reality. Call. Do not say something's good if it's not good. But the the true, like those who are going to not be trapped by negativity, they're going to go, this is hard. This sucks. This is not good. And I see an opportunity here for us to do this. And I think there's a, there's a path out. That is, that is, uh, that's powerful when we can have leaders that can do that. I watched my son's baseball coach do this on Sunday. They had two horrendous, horrendous games. Mm got shut out two games in a row, maybe two hits, tons of fielding errors. Uh, it was just like, I, what is he going to say to these kids? Every kid was was playing well well below their potential. And I, I listened to that that little post-game thing where he got the team together, and I was like, stink, man, he's right. Like He found some, some things. He called it. It was not good, but he found some positive things in it and said, here's our opportunity. And I think this is what we're going to do this week at practice. And I thought it was a great example of what we're talking about here on that energy that the team leader brings. Because if he would have just been like, listen, you guys need to figure out if you want to play this game. Because what I saw today was terrible. And uh, <laughs> and if you just keep coming to the ballpark with this attitude, it's going to stay terrible. So uh, have a good day and we'll see you on Tuesday. Right. That would have been awful uh, to do something like that. And so he was he was rejecting that trap. So, Clay, how this is this is where you've yeah. taught me a lot on this right because you you and I are different people you you are more naturally optimistic I'm a little bit more naturally pessimistic what I want is I want to be authentic in my positivity I don't want to be I don't want to be fake and so 
what do you say to somebody like me that doesn't want to be trapped by this and how they can, how they can be authentic, uh, and still be positive and optimistic and not feel like they're faking or changing who they are? Well, the, uh, you, there's a bunch we could say, right? So I'll, I'll summarize this so that we can wrap this pod up, but I would say, start with gratitude, right? Start mm. with what do I have? What it's not, it's never as bad as I think it is that there's still some things that I really do have that are powerful and I need to count those and I need to exercise the muscle. Joy and gratitude are muscles that we work out. And the more we look for them, the more we're likely to see them, but we've got to teach ourselves to do it. And then I would say there are moments where it is really bad. I mean, during COVID, this is one of those uh, speeches that I came back to over and over again, but it's that William Shakespeare speech from Henry V. It's the St. Crispin's Day speech that Henry V gave to the troops on Crispin's Day. I'll read you just a little excerpt from it just to give us a little Shakespeare here to close us out, right? <laughs> this is, um, he says at the end of this, he says, uh, the idea is that, that it's been terrible and he's trying to rally them, right? Yeah. And so it is that everything you just said, it's being aware of how bad it is, but how do you find opportunity in it? And he said, from this day to the ending of the world, we in it shall be remembered. We few, we happy few, we band of brothers. For he today that sheds blood, that sheds his blood with me shall forever be my brother. And anyone who misses this opportunity this day, these gentlemen in England now abed, they shall think of themselves accursed that they were not here and they will hold their manhoods cheap while any speaks that fought with us this day, St. Crispin's Day. So I love the, yeah. he's basically saying, what a remarkable opportunity that we have, that we get to be here in this moment. Yes, it will be difficult, but we can succeed and we will succeed. And when we do, we're going to look back and say, we got to do that together. And the ones that missed it, they're cursed because they missed out on <laughs> the, the amazing story that we're going to get to tell. That's amazing. Uh, don't get trapped. Those are three mind traps. And I hope that that's helpful. I hope you pay attention to those. Don't, don't be a victim. Don't fall for the pass fail, the all or nothing. And certainly watch out for the trap of negativity. That's it. All right, Clay, as always, great to be with you. Talk to you next week. Thanks, Adam. See you. Well, that's all we got for today's episode of the How to Lead podcast. You can always reach out to us via email. We can be reached at info at howtolead.work. That's info at howtolead.work. Every episode is mixed and edited by the team over at Sound of a Rose. You can learn more about them at soundofarose.com. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you again next time.